You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, so this is part three of a multi-part series around seven years of lessons from operating um, the ad agency or just operating any company in general. And again, this is just a recap. Um, Single Rain is my ad agency that I own. And I, again, I bought the company for $2 out of pocket. So negotiated a good deal is my first kind of, or one of my first few, um, you know, kind of M&A deals. I'm air quoting right now because it's not like it was a huge deal to begin with, but $2 out of pocket um, and then paid six figures. Um, that was kind of the buyout over time. And then the contingency was if the company failed, uh, I would owe nothing. So um, here's the thing. I'll, I'll restart again from, from number one, but um, immediately what comes to mind is, you know, earlier I talked about, you know, having core values, having a having a great culture as well, making it all about the people, hiring slow, firing fast. That's all great. But I learned as a leader, what you have to do is you have to over-communicate. You have to over-communicate to the point where you're being annoying because people forget things quickly. They're so busy. So mission, vision, values, right? That's what you have to, um, the leader needs to, you know, make sure that the vision happens, right? The leader's responsibility, um, I guess that'll be the second part. So anyway, we'll start with vision first. So mission, vision, values, you have to continually over-communicate, right? You're always talking about value. So how do you how do you make it um, intentional, right? How you're always talking about the value. So we talked about how, you know, on Thursdays we have this belt meeting where people share um, their personal and professional wins and then they nominate someone for the belt and they nominate them based on certain core values. Um, so there's that. You know, talk about the mission, like as a leader, what, what is helpful is every week or so you send a letter saying, hey, here, here are your musings, here's what you're thinking about, and then talk, reiterate the mission again, reiterate the mission, what's the mission, right? So if you ask me what my personal mission is for the rest of my life, it's to level up the entire world. It's a very grand mi- mission, right? But when you think about it, on the single range side of things, it's really helping, um, you know, reputable companies grow through marketing. And that's what it ultimately is. And, um, you know, that's a broad mission, but it's something that you can go after. Cause you know, when you think about Google's mission, it's their mission is to organize the world's information. And that's probably never going to be achieved. At least I'm not sure it's going to be achieved in our lifetime. Um, so we'll see what happens there, but they've done a pretty good job of it so far. That's what it is. You're ultimately, you're putting the right processes in place where um, a conversation is allowed to happen around this. You as a leader, you're constantly reinforcing, hey, here's what it is. Here's what the mission is, right? Here, oh, here comes here comes Eric again with his vision stuff. Here comes Eric again with the core value stuff. But you know what? At that point, you're just starting to get enough, right? And I would recommend every month or so, you know, doing a town hall, a, a town hall meeting, going over numbers, going over, go, going over objectives and key results, talking through, you know, new hires that are coming in, talk about uh, musings, you know, sending a Q&A form out there where people are able to ask questions anonymously. People can make suggestions as well. It's just a, it's, it's a great time for that. And every quarter or so you do kind of a, a quarterly postmortem as well. Um, and then you just keep going from there. It's, it's constant communication, constant communication, keeping everyone aligned. That's what it is. It's, it's, it's holding alignment and your core values help drive um, alignment as well. When it comes to uh, going back to uh, vision, so you know, a CEO's job, it's, it's ultimately three things. If you think about it, it's the vision, it's recruiting, right? Recruiting, 
and then it is financing. So it's keeping cash in the bank, but I say financing, that could be raising money as well. That can be you know, raising money as in, it could be debt or through investors, whatever it is exactly, you can you can raise money. Your job is to keep the company alive, to keep cash in the bank, okay? So financing. Um, vision, you know, fulfilling the vision, um, making it happen, and if people don't fit with the, the vision that, that, that has been defined, then you might need to get rid of them. Um, and then recruiting too. And, and so if you think about it, like, the CEO's job is not to try to do everything and get in the day to day. It's to try to get the right people, the right people that are smarter um, than you know um, her or him, and you know just get out of the way and, and make sure that they, that they get what they need. That's what a CEO's job is. It my misinterpretation in the early days was I was such a good you know leader. I was such a good. Um, manager like a vp of, of, of marketing type person that i thought my job was to come in and do everything even if you can do it at a 10 out of 10 and you're, you're trying to do sales you're trying to do marketing you're trying to do all these different things and by the way that's exactly what i was doing in, in the early days you end up not being able to work on the strategic things the the big vision things and ultimately the buck starts and stops with you as a ceo so you know it's your fault that's what it is you know those are the three jobs again it's vision financing right keeping cash in the bank and recruiting super super important boring but important it, it it brings out the leverage right you're constantly talking to people you know even if you're not going to hire them right now it's like just having that conversation hey how are things going how are things going um checking with them later hey or even referring them to another job and maybe they'll come back to you later right it's, you're playing the long game here and you want to work with people that you want to work with long term and, and that's that's what it is and so the third thing i would say is when it comes down to hiring i have a framework around it and i want to share some questions that i ask so you know i get these from a kind of a whole host of people some some's from some are from jeff bezos from amazon some are from chamath Palihapitiya of social capital and um you know some jeff bezos questions i like are you know do i admire this person so if, if i'm face to face with someone do i admire this person second thing is do i do i think this person's smarter than me because i want to constantly be raising the bar at the company right do i think this person's smarter than me and, um, you know, would I like hanging out with this person out of work? So personally, I just like to work. Um, that's just me, right? But some people you just want to think about, it, like, would you be okay hanging out with this person in an outside environment, you know, uh, at a bar, right? You know, one-on-one -on -one, or in a barbecue, family barbecue uh, setting. So in a group setting and in a one-on-one -on -one setting, would you want to hang out with this person? Um, and I would also ask this. I mean, this comes from Chamath. And, you know, the question he, the one question he's found a lot of value from is asking that person, like, what are they passionate about? So Eric, what are you passionate about? Can you teach me for five minutes about this thing that you're really passionate about? I, one time we did this and, um, you know, this person just started talking about how she was buying real estate and how she was getting good deals. And that was really fascinating to me because I didn't know these things. And so you want to see if they're good at teaching, you know, are they a good learner as well? Um, and oftentimes I like to ask, you know, what's the most compelling thing they've read recently as well. That's just a question for myself. Cause I'm curious, cause I like learning. Um, and again, we always have people do a homework assignment because, you know, sure, they can interview well, but, you know, when push comes to shove, can you actually do the work? How well do you do the work? Can you hit deadlines? Do you communicate well? All those little things add up. All these little nuances add up. Also, this might be number four, but it's very important to strike a balance between giving direct advice and kind of you know, coaching people into it, right? So, and you want to be very specific too. Sometimes you might be saying, hey, I'm giving you advice or sometimes you might be, hey, you know, this is a this is a coaching opportunity. When you give someone advice, you're not giving them the opportunity to figure out the answer on their own and they might not necessarily buy in, but maybe they're just doing what you're telling them to do. When you coach them, when you, when you try to tease the answer out of them, it might take longer. And personally, sometimes I still struggle with it because look, I talk really fast and um, I want things to happen quickly, right? And so, you know, you, you ask them like, hey, like, 
how would you have done this differently? Well, what about this? Have you considered this, right? And then they'll figure out the answer on their own. But when they have that aha moment, it's so much more powerful, right? So you have to you have to strike the balance there. If they're more senior and you trust them more, maybe it's more coaching. But if they're more junior and it's a high stakes type of scenario, you might need to jump in, give advice. I would say in some scenarios, you might even jump in and need to micromanage because if they're very junior, again, it's super high stakes scenario where it's like closing a million dollar deal or whatever, you might need to jump in, right? So it's always, you know, little balances and deciding what tool you want to deploy. And so this is number five, I believe. Personality tests actually go a long way. And I used to think there were a bunch of ho-hum and um, I, I, I've taken a whole host of them. I've taken the strengths finder, which is great. For me personally, it tells me, um, you know, it, it says uh, I like to focus. So look, I've kind of focused around this marketing niche. And, um, you know, one of the other things is um, around activation. So I like to activate others that are around me and uh, competitions, one of them as well. That actually comes from my, my kind of gaming years when I used to play competitively. And also my, just my childhood growing up, I learned to be competitive because my parents pushed me a lot. And then I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, you know, be competitive and show them that, I, that I, I've got it, right? So all these things add up because when you look at the strengths finder and for the entire company, we actually show everyone's strengths. And so you can see, you get an idea of what makes them tick and how, how to best work with them, right? And that ties, that ties in with the next personality test, which is called the print survey. It, it shows you what your triggers are. So for my triggers, and I encourage anybody that works with me to read um, the print survey. One of my triggers is people that are really long-winded. So if they keep talking for a long time, I just totally shut down. Um, you know, not knowing kind of what's going on or um, just there's a lot of things that are true with the triggers. And you can see if I'm triggered, I'll have these shadow behaviors, which are kind of the opposite of my positive behaviors. So all these things like these personality tests don't take long, 20 minutes, 10 minutes or so. And they're worth a lot because then you can basically what you can do afterwards is you can create a user guide. So I have a user guide on working with me, what, um, what, how to best work with me, how to best communicate with me, what my shortcomings are, what I think my weaknesses are, all these things. And then at the very end, I put these links to these different, um, these different tests and I, I sent it to my executive assistant and she knows how to best work with me. And these go so far, I think everyone needs a user manual to, to work with. Um, and so, you know, User guides are great. I think personality tests are great as well. And I think this is number six for over here. I used to think this. I used to think a company was a democracy. So I used to think, you know, it's it's all about, um, you know, the political game, you know, making sure I'm well-liked. Um, and I think those things are important, right? Making sure that you're well-liked. And I think, yes, you're going to, anytime you have people involved, like groups of people, you're going to have politics. But, you know, what I would say is that in terms of the political setup, it's, not a democracy. I used to think it's a democracy. Like you're all supposed to vote on things and then, um, you know, majority wins. No, you know, in, in many cases, you know, it, you have a meritocracy where the people that have, that have uh, uh, accomplished a lot and are doing a lot, you know, maybe their vote might count more. So you, you can think of it that way. But in other cases, it's an autocracy, meaning that you have one, peop one person that's calling the shots. You have, and hopefully you have a really good leader. That's why the leader is really important. The leader will, a good leader will listen, will listen to the feedback, you know, and then balance it out with what are the long-term goals and then figure out from there how to best use that feedback. Sometimes they'll discard the feedback, but other times they'll use the feedback and integrate it with kind of, you know, the well, the best, the best foot forward, right? The, the, the best path forward. When I used to think it was a democracy, things would move a lot slower, right? We'll wait, we'll vote. And then if some person doesn't feel like they're heard, then they'll get upset. And what I learned afterwards is just straight up, you know what? I'm making the decision. 
Like this is a decision I'm making. I, you know, I'm the leader and um, this is my call. What I found afterwards is they just don't say anything afterwards and that's good. And I think it's really important. This comes from Jeff Bezos for people to understand that they're not always going to get their way. And, you know, it's, it's okay to disagree and commit. And if they don't want to work at the company anymore, they don't want to follow your decision as a leader. That's okay. You know, they can go work somewhere else. Right. And that's what it is. It is not a democracy because if everyone voted one way, right, then sometimes it's not the best thing for the long term. Like, and by the way, do they understand all the goals of the company? Do they understand the context? Do they understand what else is at risk? Do they have the same, you know, high level view that you have as a leader? Probably not. And that's why you have to ultimately, the decision falls back on you and you are responsible for everything. The buck starts and stops with you. You know, at the end of the day, and if, if anything goes wrong, it's your fault. It all comes down to you. Someone doesn't hit their goals, it's your fault, all right? Because let's let's say it's, it's someone that reports another manager on the team. Well, you put that manager there, right? And that manager couldn't figure it out or you couldn't coach the other manager to figure it out. So it all comes down to you. So I've, I've learned to, to take the blame. Uh, and when things go well, you give away all the credit because it's free. And so you have to learn that it's it's really not about you there. Um, it's about you know dishing out as much credit as possible and taking the blame wherever you can, apologizing too. And I, I think people will respect you a long way. I, I don't think I know. When you actually go out there and you apologize and you you backtrack, people respect you more. They're, you seem like you're relatable, you're, you're, you're being vulnerable and um, you just call yourself out. In addition to calling other people out, in addition to holding other people accountable because accountability is one of our core values, um, people respect you for that, for upholding the core values. When you don't uphold the core values, you are slowly breaking down the company and people will respect you less and less for it and they'll they'll start to think that the the core values are lip service the final thing i want to say is this there's two types of decisions and i got this from uh here we go jeff bezos again so there there are type one decisions and there are type two decisions so type one decisions are uh irreversible so hard to reverse okay type two decisions will be very reversible uh decisions so a lot of decisions are type two so they're pretty easily reversed now Type one, what's an example of that? Well, getting married to someone. If I get married to someone, it's kind of hard to just like break in the next day, right? Um, type one decision might be buying, you know, getting myself locked into a, a long lease or something like that. That's hard to just easily break from. Um, and so you want to have flexibility, right? Type two would be like running an A-B test or something like that. It's easily reversed. And so you're going to find in life that if you are approached with a type one decision, you want to be more deliberate about it. So let's say you're making, you're, you're hiring a high powered executive um, and you're, you're going to have to incentivize them accordingly. Um, you're going to have to think through that, you know, think through all the consequences around or what needs to happen, right? The onboarding, how's that look? Um, you know, who are they going to work with exactly? All the little things um, that, that make that work. And if it's, if it's type two, just move fast on it. Type two, like, you can, if you can, if it's easily reversed, just do it again. If it comes back to, back to type one, if it's like, oh, you're changing the infrastructure of, of <laughs> the entire infrastructure of your, your software, uh, you should probably think about it. You should be deliberate about it, but you know, move fast on type two, which is the vast majority of the time. And then type one, take your time on it. I'll give you a bonus bonus one is this actually ends the whole thing, but acquiring things over the years, I realized that you should be trying to make money on the buy, meaning that if I buy something. Um, I, if I'm thinking like Warren Buffett, I want to have a margin of safety. So let's say I'm, I'm buying a stock for a hundred dollars and I actually think it's worth 500 bucks. I have a good, you know, $400 margin of safety right there. Right. So I buy it. I've made money on the buy already. And if it goes up after that, you know, that's icing on the cake. And then that's what you're hoping for as well. So if you're looking to acquire something, you should be trying to make money on the buy. And I certainly think that I made money on the buy with single grain. Cause I paid $2 out of pocket. And I really didn't pay anything out of my pocket overall. Um, 
And so that's how you want to be doing deals in, 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 you know, in the future, if you're ever going to do deals, which I highly recommend. Once you start to build some leverage, um, build some capital up, build a great company, start to think about how you can reinvest and, um, and grow even more. And um, assuming you don't have, you know, a lot of other upkeep on personally, then, you know, do take as much risk as you want. That's up to you. I personally, I, I enjoy the risk, um, kind of holds me accountable as well. So anyway, if you enjoyed this, if you want to grow or start your consulting agency service type business, uh, you can book a strategy call. Go to singlegrain.com slash call. You can book it, fill out an application over there. It's free to do it. And um, we will find a time to chat with you. And if you're not interested, well, just rate, review, and subscribe. Help us grow this podcast or help us grow the YouTube, all right? It helps a lot. So that is it for today, and we'll see you tomorrow. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.